Only the expository creature addresses your mind, addresses your affections, and addresses your will, addresses the entirety of who you are and what you are on the inside. Expository preaching is to inform the mind, but it is to inspire the heart, and it is to invite the will. The man you just heard was Dr. Stephen Lawson. He's a man who goes around the world teaching people how to explain the Word of God to the people of God. He is hosting a conference here at Grace Church of Orange on February the 3rd through the 5th, and we need a big team of joyful and willing volunteers to help us host this conference. We need people to help greet arriving guests, serve snacks, meals, provide security, direct traffic. Your gracious hospitality will make this event a phenomenal success. Pray that we will be a blessing to the 200 plus people planning to attend. If you have any questions, please email Brian Bush at bbush at graceorange.org and register to volunteer at graceorange.org. And now, on to Ordinary Church. Hello and welcome to the Ordinary Church Podcast, a discussion of God's extraordinary works through His ordinary ways. My name is Winston Weber, and I have a big crew today. I got Mike. How's it going, Mike? Good, Winston. Good to see you. I got Brian. How's it going, Brian? Good day, Winston. Good day. And I have Andrew McNeil. How's it going, Andrew? Hi, Winston. It's going well. Great. Well, I'm glad you guys are here today. We're going to be talking about motives. Uh, Motives is probably one of the more important things that gets often overlooked. I know we talk about that a lot, but it is true. So, Mike, start us off. What exactly, give us a game plan for what we're going to be talking about today. Well, what we want to talk about today is um, having right motives, having motives that please the Lord, uh, checking our motives. I know that one time I was reading a book and someone said that their sister gave them a three by five card and it just said, what's your motive? And I remember reading that as I was a newer believer, I was in college, and it always stuck with me to remind myself to, to ask that question, you know, what's my motive? We do things for a reason. Everything we do, we do for a reason. And we want to do them for the right reasons. We do them for pure reasons and uh, gospel-centered reasons, Christ-honoring reasons. Excellent. So talking about motives then, just simply describe what a motive actually is for me first. I say a motive is the reason why you do something. There's a reason underlying it. We might say that we're doing something for some reason, but really there's Sometimes there's a, an ulterior motive, you know, behind the scenes. So I think that it's, it's why you do what you do, and it's honesty in why you do what you do. I would also add to maybe just uh, hit it from another angle. It, it's the thing that you love behind the things that you do. Um, to put it in terms of what you love and what you desire most, um, the, what you love the most will motivate and drive what you think and what you say and what you do. Uh, and so it is the reason, and it's it's driven by that love. What you see as most beautiful, most desirable, um, it, it's that deep heart level uh, longing that drives what you think and say and do. Uh, you could say it's the why behind the what. The why behind the what. That's that's interesting because when talking about the different good deeds that people do, the driving force for a lot of what happens within the Christian life and really why people end up being judged one way or the other is motives. 
Right. And I think to camp on what was just said about the thing you love behind it, sometimes you don't know the thing you love. Hmm. Sometimes you are, you know, doing something like I'm thinking of Philippians 2, right? And Philippians 2 says, do nothing from rivalry or conceit. And there's not a lot of people that would say, you know, I really love to have a good rivalry, you know, in the sense of uh, I, you're my enemy, you're my, or I'm so conceited. But there's something else. You want the attention. You want to be first. Things like that. So Paul talked about that, where it said that there are people that want to be first in the church. And because of that, they're doing these bad things. So I think that uh, what we're capturing here is a heart behind the thing that comes out. And sometimes we don't understand our own hearts. Uh, praise God, God knows our hearts. He knows all things. He's greater than our hearts. As John says in 1 John, uh, he's greater than our hearts. He knows all things. Mm, yeah. So, Brian, talk to me about how exactly we evaluate our motives and whether or not we are in line with God on how our motives ought to be. I think to a large extent, we don't know our motives. You know, the human heart is um, desperately wicked. Who can understand it? Well, God can understand it. So if we want to know our motives, we need to uh, know God. We need to ask God, what is the motive? We can ask um, other Christians, other mature Christians who are sincere, who have our best interest at, at heart, and ask them, what do you see my motive is? You know, if you question your motives, it's good because it helps you to evaluate why am I really doing this? I know I want to do this because I love God, but is that true or is that just, you know, that, that churchy veneer I'm putting over things to feel good about myself? First Samuel tells us that uh, man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. So God, the God is the ultimate judge of what our, our motives really are. Right. And I would say that you've got to measure your motives. Okay. And the, the, the yardstick, uh, the measurement, uh, the, the, the measuring tape of our motives has got to be the word of God. We've got to go to the Bible. Uh, you can look in Psalms and you can see how David is processing things through in his life. Uh, and and why he's doing what he's doing. But I really do think there's some places, especially in the New Testament, that we can measure our motives. And Proverbs does it too in the Old Testament. But I think, let me start with Philippians 2, okay? And if you think about measuring your motives, what happens is you see the model of Christ, you see what Jesus did, and then you aspire, you resolve to be that way, and you change. It's You know, you change your, your mind about how you want to act. I mean, think about this. Paul starts Philippians 2 and says, if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affections and sympathy. And he's basically saying, these are the kind of things that happen and that are present in a believer's heart and in the fellowship of believers. So make my joy complete by what? Being of the same mind. Don't all think alike, but be unified, be harmonious, have the same love, being in accord, full accord and of one mind. And then it says this, do nothing from rivalry or conceit. Every time something like that is in the Bible, it's because this is human nature. We do do things out of rivalry and conceit. But he says, no, in humility, count others more significant than yourself. Now I'm thinking, I'm thinking, wait a minute, I don't want to do something just for myself. I'm going to consider Winston or Andrew or Brian more important than me, more significant than myself. Uh, I'm going to deny myself uh, to put someone else first. And I think there's there's something there because now you gain 
uh, a new appreciation for what Jesus is like and what he calls us to be, what the Spirit enables us to be like. So there's this recalibration that goes on with our motives, and we check them, kind of like a quarterback, you know, fading back to pass, and they're checking down, looking at different receivers. You go, that, that's not an option. That's not an option. That's not an option. Oh, here's a good option. And I think that we, we've got to do that. We've got to measure our motives. When you mentioned that we, uh, how, how should we weigh our own motives and try to discern them, two kind of passages come to mind. Um, there's there's the, the passage that Brian brought up in Jeremiah. There's also uh, in, in Proverbs, I'm not sure where, <laughs> but in Proverbs it says the, the heart of a man is like deep water, but a man of understanding draws it out. So I think getting counsel from other believers, like Brian said, or weighing your own heart is helpful. But even if you turn to, to the New Testament, Paul in 1 Corinthians 4, um, when people are kind of judging his ministry, he says, I'm not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. And so Paul even acknowledges that he doesn't even know the purposes of his own heart. And, and so I think we want to be uh, men and women that have understanding, can draw out those purposes of the heart but realistically understand that um, we can't see all of those ends. And so uh, that's right. That's right. And in Hebrews 4, it talks about the word of God that is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. It discerns our thoughts and intentions. So, uh, you know, Andrew, you brought up something about uh, Paul defending his own motives, right? And one of the thoughts I have on that is in 1 Thessalonians 2. It really is an answer to those that were falsely accusing them of wrong motives. And he goes through and just says, look, you know what we were doing. You know we weren't doing things in vain. In fact, we were shamefully treated. We were suffering and we were bold to proclaim the gospel. But our appeal, he says this in 1 Thessalonians 2, 3, our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive. And the idea there is, they were being falsely accused of being deceivers and of going for their own, their own you know, interests and their own well-being. And so there's a, there's a place to say, look, God knows my heart. So sometimes someone is going to falsely judge your motives or going to attribute motives to you that you know aren't there. And what do you do there? You got to you know, uh, cling to the Lord in that regard and know that he knows the truth. And like Paul, there might be a time to actually uh, give a, a uh, and apologetic uh, for your motives. It's interesting because that was going to be one of the questions I was going to ask. Mm -hmm. What do you do when people accuse you of having bad motives? Mm -hmm. You really aren't. Yeah. And I, I think that's that's wonderful that we have such a clear answer from Scripture and a clear example from Paul as to how we ought to operate. It is simply clinging to the Lord, going back to Him, and only on the rarest occasions, actually right. defending your honor. Exactly. Remember David when he's getting chased down and it says that he encouraged himself in the Lord. Mm. Uh, he has all these enemies going after him and he basically has to find his comfort in the Lord. But it's interesting that Paul very gently, as the Spirit guided him to, to write, uh, gave a, a defense. But I tell my kids, I've told my kids for a long time, people are going to misunderstand you and don't defend yourself. God knows the truth, and the truth always wins out. The truth usually comes out, and uh, sometimes you have to be misunderstood. Yeah. And really, I mean, along that same lines, we know that Jesus, chief 
<laughs> person who was accused of something that he was not guilty of. So mm-hmm. we need to be more like Jesus. But uh, kind of shifting gears a little bit, uh, I'm the youngest one here among this group. And so I don't have a whole lot of experience with really understanding how to make some choices based off of my motives. So I, I understand now that you guys are saying motives, very important. Motives, motives matter. Motives. Yeah, <laughs> motives matter. What you do matters. But is there a time when we abstain from doing something that we know is good? Missions trip, helping the poor, helping the needy, uh, serving in the church somewhere. But you specifically abstain from doing that because you know your motives are not correct. Hmm. It's funny uh, that you mentioned that. I would say, just looking at my own life, you know, autobiographically, I'd be like, well, I think there's probably more times when my motives get corrected midstream. Hmm. So, for example, that I realized that my motives in in doing a certain thing weren't right, but God redirected me into a right motive. I don't think I've found too many times where I said, well, I'm just not going to do that. Um, because usually your life is, is just too current <laughs> and you just kind of, you're in the moment. And, you know, I found one time I was at a, on a missions trip and things kind of imploded amongst the team and we were far from home and we had to deal with it right then in that context in a foreign country uh, with some people that were having some struggles and even struggles relationally, right? This is just real life. And I had to call the, the group out. Brian, you were with me on night trip. And I don't know if you remember this, but I, had to, I wasn't even the leader of the trip. And I sat everybody in this room and I just had to kind of lay it out and say, there's some things that are not right right now. You need to get it together. Every one of you need to search your own hearts and let's do what's right. I remember it all too clearly. <laughs> <laughs> Brian was not the culprit. Yeah, oh, sure. You say that now. (laughs) You know, perhaps rather than abstaining, uh, perhaps delaying might be a a better way. If you think that your motives are not pure, if your motives are not um, the best, then taking some time and evaluating that and working through that um, would be good rather than just saying, oh, I can't serve in that area. I can't go do that because. You know, I'm flawed somehow. If we waited until we were perfect, if we waited until we were, you know, had no sin, no uh, in, in imperfection in our lives, we would never get anything done. There's another thing that Paul says in Philippians 1, verse 15, and he says that basically it's true that some people are preaching Christ out of envy and strife. And, and what he's saying is, I think, instructive for us. He's saying that there are people uh, that are preaching Christ for the wrong motives. And then he goes on to say, but there are others that are doing it out of goodwill. And and he goes on to say, look, um, the latter do so in love, right? But basically when he sums things up, he's like, I'm just glad the gospel's getting preached. Hmm. Now, we would never want to excuse a false motive on our own part, okay? But we know that God uses the wrath of man to praise him too. and so. In, in one sense, it's like, check your own motives. Don't worry about anyone else's motives and trust God. Trust the Lord to use you. And if you're in the middle of a situation where uh, you're having a wrong motive, trust that the spirit in you will con- convict you of having a wrong motive. Just yesterday, in fact, two of you sitting here got a text from me last night 
And I, I said, I was convicted of something in a, one of our conversations yesterday that I wasn't um, having a right attitude about. And I just threw it out to the guys. And I said, forgive me for that because I, the, the spirit convicted me that I was having a bad attitude about this one thing. It wasn't towards any of the guys. It was just a conversation we were having. But I realized that was a bad attitude. Now, did I have a bad motive to have a, did I have a motive to have a bad attitude? No, but I realized something, right? So I think we can repent of the, of the wrong motive, even momentarily, and in the very same moment, kind of turn quickly and, and do the right thing. There's kind of a corollary here too, and it's what if you have a good motive, but have abysmal results? Mm. Oh, it was the <laughs> thought that counts. Yeah. Well, yes and no. You know, you can do uh, good things with a bad motive and you can do bad things, really hurtful things, masked with a very good motive. And mm -hmm. we don't want, we don't want that either. So motives are, do matter and they um, need to be looked at carefully and like everything else in our life, you know, brought under submission to the word of God. So taking that idea then, you, you say motives matter. I'm hearing loud and clear, motives matter. But I also, you, you said this a little bit in passing, Mike, but that we aren't supposed to consider other people's motives. Is that just a hard and fast rule or? Well, not completely. And I'm glad you're clarifying because when you go on in that passage that I quoted in Philippians 1, Paul says, some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry. Now, how do you know this, right? How do you know this? Now, he's under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but he's seeing fruit come out. He says, others from goodwill, the latter do it out of love, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. So they're, they're fellow workers, they're co-workers. But then he says this, the former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. There is a place, and I, I think it's rare, but there is a place to call out false motives. And because then he says, look, what then? So what are we supposed to do with this? Well, only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I will rejoice. He's not rejoicing in the bad motive. In fact, he called them out. Think of other places in uh, the New Testament. Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. That's in the record for eternity, okay? Um, he, had false, he had bad motives. He, he did wrong things. Do we know if he repented or not? No, we don't know that. So I think there's a time and a place, and I think it's rare that you call things out. Now, I wouldn't do it publicly. I would do it privately. Again, go with, like, say, Matthew 5. Um, uh, you know, if you, you know your brother has something against you, go and uh, make things right. Matthew 18, if your brother sins against you, go and reprove him in private. Things like that. Yeah. yeah. Well, then let's take it a, a little step further. You know your brother has something against you. <laughs> you know, there's plenty of places in the Bible that talk about how we're supposed to protect our brothers, make sure that you know they aren't sinning or that you are causing them to sin. Mm -hmm. Jesus has very strong words about what should happen if we cause a little one to sin, yeah. right? Like, it's a pretty serious deal. So let me ask you this then. We have a situation, I'm, this is a hypothetical situation, but let's say I have a situation where I can go and do something and I know it's a, a good thing to do, but in the way that I am doing it, it is perceived as me having bad motives. <laughs> that would be a sin by the other person perceiving that I have bad motives. It's a little convoluted, but should I abstain from doing something good that has the appearance of having a bad motive 
so as to not cause my brother to sin. That's like a 4D chess scenario. <laughs> no. Yeah. No. No. The answer is no. The answer is do what you do in the strength of the Lord and trust him to work out people's misunderstandings of motives. Mm. That you got to do what you're called to do. And if you're called to do a right thing, um, there's a proverb that says, through presumption comes nothing but strife. Uh, but in abundance of counsel, there's victory. I believe I quoted that correctly. But the idea is the, the presumption is the what ifs of life. What if this happens? We don't know that that's going to happen. That might be an eventuality, but actually, I'd say, no, be humble, gentle, and confident in how, who God has called you to be, and then go and do the right thing. Let me go back to one thing I said um, in Matthew 5, where it says, uh, if, you, if you know your brother has something against you, that's where you know that you've sinned and your brother rightly has something against you. That's not a false He's not falsely thinking something of you. He's, he's actually got a reason to have something against you. So you go and you make it right. You go and confess your sins. You go and reconcile. I want to make sure I'm clear about that one. Um, because the other side of the coin is where you know someone has sinned against you and you go and reprove them in private. That is shaped, though, also by um, the commands not to eat meat if it's to make my brother stop. Yes, or, you right, know, There are certain right. freedoms oh, yes. that we willingly give up. Absolutely. And so we want to be sensitive to that and yet yes. at the same time i think what you're kind of saying is you can't be going through your entire life wondering what are people going to think no you can't live on pins and needles but absolutely if we know that something we do is going to cause a brother to stumble then we voluntarily restrict our freedom romans is very clear about it romans 14 is very clear about it and multiple other places in the new testament but think about it even paul said if i tried to stop preaching the gospel i couldn't Compelled. I'm compelled yeah. to. Yeah. So even if that would have brought some some pain or some some offense to another brother, um, he would do it anyway because that's what God called him to do. God made him you know, an apostle to the Gentiles. And so even if he tried to not do it, he'd be compelled to do it. If you want any any admonition on relying too much on motives, you can look at uh, Paul before or Saul before he became Paul. He persecuted the church with the purest of motives. He thought what he was doing was honorable for Yahweh. Mm -hmm. But his motive there really turned into disaster, and, and, and he was corrected. So motives are important, but you, know, you can't let your motives be for justice or, or integrity or your own reputation or someone else's reputation uh, be the... Be the lodestar. Right. The word of God is, is, is the lodestar, not your motives. Yeah, and to cap this segment off, I just want to say this. Look, we have a big view of the grace of God. We have a big view of God. Our motives ought to be for the glory of God. And let me just end with this passage from Titus chapter 2. Because this is, this is um, us as we live, okay? Change, life change, uh, life change being transformed by the gospel is happening. It's entirely possible. Listeners, if you're stuck, if you feel like your motives have been impure, let's say you feel like you've ruined things, just know that there is hope in Jesus Christ. It says this, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. 
There it is. Let go of false motives. Let go of false, um, you know, ideas and let go of, of wrong uh, motivations. Uh, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness. And he's still redeeming us from all lawlessness, even right this moment, to purify for himself. He's purifying us, a people for his own possession, who are zealous for good works. Here's your motive. Good works for the glory of God. One other thing to add, Winston, uh, for anyone out there wanting to maybe dig into this a little more, there's a booklet or a PDF online. It's free. You can download it. You can print it. I'm pretty sure it's by Ed Welch, and I think it's called Motives. Uh, it's, I think, eight to 10 pages PDF. It'll walk you through a lot of what we talked about, but it's so helpful. It's almost like a little workbook to kind of help you start to discern your own heart motives. Um, I found it so, so helpful. So it's short, it's easy, it's free, you can print it. Uh, so we'll link that at the bottom if we can. Yeah, I'll try to link that to our website page at uh, graceorange.org slash ordinary church. Well, thank you guys for joining me. I really appreciate you guys talking about motives today. That was very, very helpful. Um, and I hope that you listeners out there enjoyed it as well and that it helps you grow in Christ, that you examine your own heart and know a little bit more about how to properly glorify God with your motives. Uh, if you guys want to send us an email, you can do so by sending it to ordinarychurch at gmail.com. We love getting those emails, so keep sending those in. We hope you'll join us next Thursday as we remain faithful, even in the ordinary.